Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we are back for the second last episode of Wire in the Blood ever. Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Sad. It is. <laughs> you know, going back through this show, again, uh, imagine a world where we got as much Wire in the Blood as we did Criminal Minds, you know? Not as many episodes. That would be insane. But, like, as many seasons. You know, if this became one of those perennial shows that just ran forever. Yes, there are few of those in Britain. That's true. Like I, like we were saying the other day, like Prime Suspect went a while and it didn't go forever. But I mean, and I don't want to be a, a jerk about this, but, you know, if I had to pick between endless seasons of Midsummer Murders and endless seasons of Wire in the Blood, <laughs> I think I'd prefer well, endless seasons of well, Wire in the Blood. Yes, I know, but the general populace prefers yeah, the okay. seasons of Midsummer. That's true. <laughs> murders and and of course, um, the silent witness, you know, silent witness, the CSI show. Yeah, and of course, um, the soaps, the the ones. Well, yeah, soap. but I mean, soaps don't count. Like, no, soaps, soaps don't. always run for like a, a good soap in any country will run forever. That's just how yeah. soaps work. Well, no, and the thing I was going to say about uh, Wire in the Blood is, unlike Midsummer Murders or the CSI thing, you can just swap out whoever you want in those shows whenever you want, because it's the premise of the show that keeps it going. In one case, you know, uh, crimes in vacation country in the Midlands, and the other one, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's, well, there's always going to be CSI stuff to do. Whereas here, we're here for Tony. You know, everything yeah. else is secondary. We are here for Tony. And you can't really swap out Tony with somebody else without, you know, crippling the show. No, you have to. No, well, here. First, who knows? We don't know why it was, and we've never looked up why it was. Why it ended, yeah. It, yeah. Why it ended. But if you were Robson Green, this would be a difficult one to keep doing, I think. Yeah, I wouldn't say okay. that fact. Even... Either. And CSI was was difficult. That's true. Um, for example, and they had to go away for a little while. Yeah, right. Well, that's true. And then you could come back. And yes, you had um, William Peterson in, um, and Georgia Fox in the first ten episodes, and now it's back with this whole new cast. Mind you, what's her face has come back. Mark um, Helgenberger. Yeah, Mark Helgenberger. Oh, really? But she's not in every. She's she was there at the beginning with this one case, but she's in and out. She's not a. a okay, key so she's not a series regular. Well, she seems to be in almost every episode, but no. Okay. She's that sort of special guest that reminds you, and she's still around. Well, that's but nice. She's she's having problems. She has her own life. Remember, she inherited the her her father's business. casino empire. Yep. Yeah, and um, and that actually was what caused her to come back because someone she had been mentoring, oh, uh, had been working at the casino and had been killed. <gasps> well, she had just disappeared. Oh, okay. And the, and the board actually fired her. Gotcha. Part of her own business fired her because they didn't want anybody looking into it. So it was it was an interesting beginning for CSI, but they'd managed to do it by leaving some space. Nice. And so you have a whole bunch of 
new people. Some are s- similar types, right? Right. But um, we get like it's it's an existing structure, and the fact is, you yeah. just couldn't do that with wire in the blood. It just wouldn't no. work. No, it doesn't. It doesn't work without Robson Green. He's created a character that only he can play and to if you can bring although mind you i've been watching white chapel you yeah. probably noticed i've been watching i white did chapel. notice you've been watching white chapel and, and that's that's i don't know if you've seen it no i haven't ah uh, we might want to mm. stick it on our list of things to take uh, a look at take a look at somewhere down the line because it is i mean it starts off of course with uh, a copycat um a copycat Jack the Ripper. Ooh, hence the title. Hence the title, Whitechapel. But then they're looking at different types of murders. And can you find in Whitechapel, because that's where our hero, our DI. Yeah, works um, out of. Chooses, at the end of the first season, chooses to stay ah. at DI, as, a, as the DI. In um, Whitechapel. Yeah, in Whitechapel. Hmm. Um, and then the second one, oh, the second one, and I knew it right away. Um, and then she spoiled the, the entire show. No, no, the second one was the craze. Oh, okay. Okay, like I recognize that's the murder. The that's the new copycat. Yeah, that's people the got their copycat. faces cut up, and you're like, well, they're doing the craze. They're doing the craze, right? <laughs> nice. Well, I could see it. I could see it because they show stuff from the past, and I'm going. I recognize crazy? the situation. I there's, recognize. There's some twin gangsters. We all know what's coming. Well, yeah, they don't show up until later. Like oh. it takes them a longer time to, to get figure to it out. Craze, but it's only because I have seen the movie. I also recognized. Well, you know that period of London's history. You know yeah. what the big crime news was in that period of London's history. Yeah, and it was these crazy identical twin mobsters. Yeah. Who just nobody would stop, who no one would testify against. And so basically, we're free to run roughshod over the entire city. Yeah. Yeah. And so we, ha- we have, a, have a guy who'd been a ripperologist, and the DI has sort of hired him. And he basically, I think, is working for nothing, but he's, he's going through all the old files and he huh. is finding um, things in the past that are similar to okay. the situations that they've got today. And we've just finished with a DID serial killer. Interesting. Um, All right. So it sounds like yeah. something definitely worth me taking yeah. a look at. All it's, right. it's worth, it's worth, and it's probably fits in. Most of it fits in with what we are doing here. Okay. Well, like so, I said, I'll take a look at it and see what I think. Yeah. So now to move on to this episode, uh, what's the third episode called? From the Defeated. From the Defeated. Okay. Uh, All right. So it opens with a guy walking down a mysterious underground creepy hallway (laughs) with sickly fluorescent lights. Just looks great towards a guy who's locked in a cage. Yeah. And he's, uh, and it's uh, just all very bleak and all very scary. Looks fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. If you want to get creeped out, this is a good yep. episode to watch. Oh, yeah. And then the guy says, him or you, the guy who's walking in, says to the guy in the cage, him or you, and then shoots somebody in the head. Yeah. And then we go to <laughs> then we go to the mental institution 
where Michael is being held. Michael, the cannibal from the first season. It's like the way they shoot these scenes almost in black and white. Yeah. With these blood, like the color completely washed out. Tony's all dressed in black. The priest is all dressed in black. The killers are all dressed in white. And the hallways and the blinding white lights. Right? And then the blood red chairs everywhere. (laughs) Just to make it absolutely clear what's going on. And then Michael takes a pen and pierces his hand to create the vision of stigmata. Yes. I mean, that is just so... Oof. I mean... It's It's such a good image. Their set designers are just brilliant. Like, because... You know, that was one thing for the interviews and when he did his therapy sessions, but to do it in a, in a religious service, right? I know. Such, I mean, it's still a religious service in the context of a prison, but yeah, a mental institution. Exactly. Yeah. But for the criminally yeah. insane, not just for yeah. you know, regular uh, <laughs> people just, just insane. need a yeah. little bit of help. It's for the criminally insane. Mm-hmm. And just just a beautifully staged scene. And Tony is coming in to check things out. And of course, Michael has slashed his own hands open. And to which I say, maybe don't give him a pen. You know, I, like uh, that was my always my first. I'm sure it was the other time too. I watched it. It's like they, they didn't give Hannibal a pen? a pen. You know, they were smart enough. Well, they were smarter with Hannibal. Then these the, these people seem to be with Michael, yeah, with yeah. Michael. That is definitely an issue in the episode. Yeah. It's not a big problem, but you're just like, well, come on, guys. Well, yes, but it is. It is a different prison system as well. It is. It's not the American prison system, and like it's the Hannibal who wasn't given any pens was a guy who had like repeatedly assaulted and brutalized people who worked at the prison. So. You know, I, I understand why they were extra careful in a way that they're not necessarily being with Michael. Because, you know, they don't know what Michael's capable of. Because right now he's just a guy who pretended to be a therapist and cannibalized a bunch of people. Which I think is horrible enough to, you know. Yes, to be. <sighs> treated like his inspiration. Well, treated like his inspiration, Hannibal Lecter. But I understand why the characters in the show are a little more reticent to be so inhumane. Except for Tony. Well, except for Tony, who knows exactly what he's dealing yeah, I, with. No, there is, you know, well, don't you believe in redemption? <laughs> oh, God, when we get there, that's a whole thing. All right. So, well, but first, uh, they go and they see the cops go and they find a body of the guy who got shot in the face in the opening. Yeah. Right. And he's been dumped there. And this is at least a week later. Right. They've got no ID. He's got a tattoo that they might be able to circulate and figure out what it is. So right away, they're on the case and, you know, Tony's going to be brought in. Then we get the fantastic scene with uh, Michael and Tony in a in like, (laughs) where is this room supposed to be? Because and I know it's it's a metaphorical thing. Yes. Right. But it's like the room is entirely white and the table between them is a mirror. But also there's a mirror in the foreground. So every, every time they do the shot of the two of them stand at one end of the table or the other, right? The left and right of the table. They're also mirrored in the foreground. Like it is such a weird visual. Well, the thing is, is that 
they have set that metaphor up right at the beginning. Yeah. In the very first episode mm-hmm. or this. Yeah. With my, you know, first episode of the season. Yes. Yeah. And then with, and then even more so with the, the man who wouldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Right. With the uh, cop, ki- the cop who was the serial killer. Yeah. And um, like you never, it's for the, the worst of the worst. It's for the extremely, um, because we don't see an awful lot of him doing his work. No, not a ton. In the prisons, at, doing a ton of the work in the prisons. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, I, I, it's a brilliant, brilliant way to do this. Oh, I yeah. love it. I just, every time he goes to the prison where there are these weird, weird serial killers, right? It's just, it, it takes, what I would say is that they are trying to say that there are run-of-the-mill killers that might be serial killers, and then there are these extraordinary serial killers. Yeah. And not even the man who was writing a book and the rest of it, mm-hmm. right, became was one of the really, truly bizarre serial killers. Yeah. And they do have religious overtones always. There are oh, a totally. lot more of those in British, in British, um, true, uh, British, yeah, police crime. They under understand what you have to. It it is so different than the. Well, Americans. I would say that it is less that the Americans don't understand it, and more the Americans are unwilling to go there. Like I don't think anyone who studied serial killers at all can avoid the connection between, you know. Uh, extreme religious, uh, how shall I put this? Um, the extreme attitudes religion has about sex, especially in North America and what turns people into serial killers, right? Uh, like, and, but America historically seems afraid to talk about that in a way that I think the UK does not. Well, because they have that stupid illusion that they have, they have a, a separation of church and state. So oh, all of that nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And so therefore that means that religion can be separated out from anything else. As, in if, the it, secular like, society. as if these myths aren't foundational to all of our day-to-day interactions. Yeah. Well, just to, just how to, we've organized our entire society. Okay. Like today, yeah. like yesterday morning when I'm doing my, I like, I knew, my students wouldn't have read their what their assignment. I think two people had out of the whole okay. class. Right? right? Sure. So I had come prepared with law codes of the ancient Near East referring to women. Oh, nice. <laughs> the ancient Near East in the Hebrew Bible. And I you you could just see them like just like I can't believe this. Well, yes. Why do you think that the textbook you have refers to the growth of women as commodity and how did it happen and why mm-hmm. you are looking at here are law codes from 7,000 years ago, 5,000 years ago. all of this thousand. out. We're still, you know, living with it today. You know what happens? No, yes, it doesn't ca- talk about dismemberment. We will talk about that, as I told them, later on. <laughs> you know, I mean, if anything is the prototype, for serial killers and how to do this to women. Yeah. It is the Old Testament. Oh, God. Yeah. 
right? So, um, yeah, it, no, it, it comes from an honest place when they look at this. And it's just, I think America is so messed up about religion. They are afraid to look at this stuff. Well, it's not just that. It's the medieval period, too, that it is the medieval period is still so ingrained in European thought. Mm-hmm. And the countries that got set up in North and well, in the United States and what becomes Canada are less so. They are a lot more Protestant, whereas in Europe, you are steeped in either Roman Catholicism and then you become steeped in Anglicanism in Britain, but you have this whole medieval period and yeah. um, you have all of the books and you have all of the drawings and you have all of the artists who are so, oh, I mean, some of what some of them have drawn right with the saints and their oh, rest of i it. know so i mean and they make great fodder for films for horror films i'm not <laughs> saying that they don't make great fodder particularly the medieval period as well mm-hmm. um let's talk about what was done to some of the saints and oh god yeah it, it is the um passions of the saints oh you know you you just look at it okay. right and it is astonishing in some ways mm-hmm. um, to just see why it's always there and it becomes more problematic for Protestants but it, it's still there but Britain therefore can confront it I think a lot easier Yeah, Europeans uh, depends on where you are in Europe whether or not this is accepted as it, it's just in the 20th century starting in the 19th, but the 20th century, there has been this whole illusion that the world is secular and everything, all this religious stuff doesn't matter. Yeah. You, you can just and, put it to one side when you're having these conversations. Yeah. And that's just until, not true. You know, as I said, until you start, okay, guys, now we're going to look at these legal codes. Yeah. And these, this is the little that we have about women. Mm-hmm. And women basically as property, as commodities, right? Yeah. And they are worth so many shekels, or they're worth a minna, depending on whether they're virgins or not. Yep. Right? It it's started long before Christianity came along. Mm-hmm. But it is part of the foundational structure of Western civilization. Yeah. And this is where we are. And I am sure we've had lots more of it. Anyway, let's get to this. We're getting away. I'm no, getting yeah, away. I mean, it's it's this. worth talking about yeah. because it goes into why a character like Michael is, you know, treated yeah. so differently yeah. in the in the UK, and the fact that you can do this kind of an episode. Which, spoiler alert, both halves of this episode are explicitly about religion. Yeah. Right? are about myths and they are about uh, like different stories from the Bible and different looks at the Bible and, uh, and about how people choose to interpret the Bible for their own purposes. Well, it's not here. Here's the point, right? It's, it's not, I still don't under, I still don't like people saying, interpreting it. Look, you've got it. It, it, it is a question. As I said, um, mm-hmm. I will be talking, you know, is everything, for example, queer theory and, you know, reparation. This is this is this book that I had you send me. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And well, yeah, but can everything be read reparatively? How can you read a story about a man who chops up his dead second wife, concubine, whatever you want to call her? Yeah. Right. And cuts her up and sends her sends parts of her bodies to the twelve, the other eleven tri mm-hmm. eleven tribes of Israel, ten tribes of Israel. How can you read that in a with an eye towards social justice? I know. Yeah, I mean, where do you go with that story? There are plenty of stories you can do that with, but that one is just like, no, that's just awful. Yeah, because the woman doesn't even have a name. Nope. And you know, so they they try sometimes, right? But. You know, and then I've got another book called, uh, you know, basically um, The House of David, right? The Company of 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 Men, right? And it's just about rape in the House of David. Oof. You know, The Company of Men. I just picked, I just got that one last Friday. I haven't read it yet. The title is enough, but. Yeah. And while I, the conclusions are interesting that these, that these authors are making. Mm-hmm. Um and they are all very small books. They're only about 100, 120 pages long. Right. Um, each of them. Expensive as hell, <laughs> but <laughs> only about 100. And, you know, so it, it, but it is finally, finally, there are things being seriously being written um, and published more broadly about some of the problems of using this text in our or in today yeah because it is still what people don't seem to want to those who haven't been raised with religion and they don't want to deal with it right and that's a lot of people and they they just think it's not important and it's like well no because the problem is right especially and this is a problem in western society especially, and especially in Western politics, is um, one side of the political argument, right? One side of the the whole political push and pull, especially in America, has decided that they get to say what the Bible means, and the Bible's what we all have to obey. And not only do we get to say what the Bible means, but coincidentally, everything the Bible says, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, backs up our extremist right-wing political beliefs, where rich people get to do whatever they want and women don't have rights, you know? And of course, you have two options there when you're trying to fight that. And your two options are, A, go in a long and lengthy treatise about an explainer about how that's not what the Bible says and the Bible is very complicated and here's the context of when the Bible was written and why the Bible was written and what these various stories means. Or you can say, who cares what the Bible says? Our society isn't organized around it. Because, you know, historically speaking, it's not. The Founding Fathers were very clear about not organizing society around the Bible and everything that these right-wing people are saying are lies, but they just try to shut down all conversation about the Bible. But as you say, that cuts them off. That massively cuts them off from the historical context of everything that's happening right now. Yeah, well, it's not just that, though. The founding fathers may have been, for the most part, deists. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Thomas Jefferson did a rewrite. He didn't do a retranslation, did kind of a no, rewrite. He had a Bible. No, he had a Bible where every miracle was removed. And yes. All of the, ma- it was the Bible with no magic in it. There yes, was just but, people's thoughts and what people said. 
Well, except and what people did. Well, yes, of course. Yes, and that's the problem. Yeah. Right? And and you can't you can't sort of excise and and say, okay, yes, this part, this is this is the problem. Right. It, it's a it's a constant problem. Mm-hmm. If you want to say that it is still the word of God, how do you justify excising parts of it? Yep. If you want to keep it. If you say, okay, it's not the word of God, then you can go and start saying, okay, this is this, and this is this, and this and is this. I find this. this opinion to be valid. I don't think this opinion is that valid. You you approach it like any book of philosophy rather than a book but of scripture. The, what I would tell anybody is all you have to do is why, if this is secularized, then why is it not treated like the Greeks, gods and goddesses and the Romans and the Egyptians and Inanna, like the Mesopotamian, the Babylonian, the, all of these, you know, Marduk, everything. No, all of those gods, when they're talked about are still false. Mm -hmm. Right. But when people no. do it this one, it comes There's from the default the position of yeah. No, I see your point. You're and and right. it is and it is very hard because it's not only that, but it is all integrally integrated with col- what we are now screaming about, which is colonialism and yeah. the impact of colonialism all the time. And nobody wants to put it back to the early, early days, not just of the Bible, but of that that whole area. Western mm-hmm. civilization is based on not just Rome, not just Greece, but what happened in the Middle East, the, the, the whole ancient Near East, not so much Egypt, yeah. the least misogynist of all of the <laughs> cultures of the ancient Near East. Yeah, no, it's kind of crazy, right? But this is the foundational and the attitudes towards women. And the textbook I gave them, I tell you, people yeah. were screaming at her, basically. Yeah. I, well, academically screaming at. Well, yeah, the woman I think we know what you it. mean. Yes. You know, we can we can stick a knife in someone's back so nicely. <laughs> That's academia for ever, you. Without ever raising your voice. Let's get back to this episode. Or, I mean, I do have to go to work tonight. I know, right? All right, so let's dig into it. Uh, so yes, after they, uh, so Michael gives a wonderful speech about finding God, which is so oh, nice. Geez. Oh, and, uh, Tony is, I think, understandably skeptical. <laughs> uh, as any sane person would be. Any sane person would be. <laughs> and the fun thing about Michael is, um, he doesn't seem to really care whether Tony believes him or not. No. But I think, and of course, that's important for later in the episode, uh, because of what's really going on here. It doesn't really matter to him whether Tony believes him or not, because that's not who this performance is for. In right. fact, Tony being a dick about it is something Michael is counting on. Yeah. And, you know, so yeah. he says, and have you read the Bible? Yeah. So Tony goes and buys one <laughs> and starts reading it. Yeah. Just like you did, you know? Exactly, exactly like I did. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I mean, if I'm going to talk about this stuff, I should, I, I mean, I didn't go to church as a kid, so I better read this Bible at some point. 
Although Tony does get his wonderful, um, uh, where was the part of the Bible? Uh, where you're supposed to eat people? He's like, well, then again, the ritual of communion isn't that far from cannibalism. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yes. I know, right? All right. So then we get Tony and Alex visiting with our beloved um, Emmy and going over how the guy died and how he was shot in the head and he was strangled. Mm -hmm. Right. But he was also brutally beaten. Yeah. And uh, there's also tearing around the anus, which is actually kind of important for later. Right. Uh, But yes, uh, they uh, Tony goes through and he's like, there's strangulation is so completely different away. Like the people who strangle people are so completely different than somebody who shoots somebody in the head that it's hard to believe that it would be the same killer. Yes. Right. The MOs are so completely different. One is such a removed act and one is such an intimate act that it's like it would be hard to imagine one guy doing both. And then we get a nice, nice little scene of Michael freaking out at his cell and tearing down all of his pictures, which will only, you know, we will only understand the importance of later. Right. And, uh, and so Tony explains the, the importance about this. And is it one killer? Is it a pair of killers? Right. Did this guy, uh, try to strangle someone because that was what his, you know, fetish or, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, oh God, this is so embarrassing. His signature is because that's what's meaningful, but he couldn't pull off the strangling. So he shot someone to finish them off when it didn't work. Right. And, uh, all, and also, and this is the kid, uh, they're like, but then again, this is clearly a man doing this. The guy's got no uh, values on him. Could it be a mugging? And Tony's like, of course not. Muggers don't drag their victims out into the middle of the woods. You know, <laughs> they kill them and they take their stuff if they're going to kill them. So, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, while he's in the middle of trying to figure this out, is it a guy, is it an accomplice? Uh, he's like, all we can say, the only thing I can tell you for sure is this guy can drive a car. Because yes. you can't drag a corpse this far. <laughs> Which is a nice moment. Yeah, it's a very yeah. nice moment. Because so, sometimes their expectations of what he can do are a little unrealistic. Exactly. Like, I cannot, I don't have enough information to go by. Not yet. Ah, and now we get the follow-up to Michael freaking out when Tony is called in to talk to one of the other therapists at the home. A therapist who is also a priest. An Anglican priest. An Anglican priest, yes. That is important to mention. An Anglican priest who thinks that Michael is close to an actual conversion that might help him recover, right? And Tony, with his sarcasm and needling him, is keeping Michael from, right, is actually keeping Michael from, you know, in any way developing and healing. And so Tony's actively becoming a hindrance in the guy's attempt to get better. <laughs> uh, well, yes. I mean, if you believe in redemption. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what Tony brings up. Right? That's that's the big question with Tony is like uh the guy to Tony is like, do you believe that people can get better? And that's something Michael will bring up as well. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah, it's good. No, I mean, it. it is a very good analysis of these two mm-hmm. 
where where the religious system if you truly believe this and you it it is so hard sometimes because all you need to say and it was goes to of course our last episode of crim- profiling criminal mind our, our last criminal minds, minds episode, episode yeah. right where this idea is can you not just say vengeance is mine and keep this guy locked up why do you have to redeem him god will take care of it if you truly believe mm-hmm. that god will take care of this one way or another and and i know that this all depends on whether you actively believe right that original sin can be washed away but who knows if this man has actually been baptized against original sin it's it's very yeah. it's a very complicated thing that they're not going to go into here but this the priest the priest of course does believe and yeah. he's a therapist and he believes that you can get to the root of all of this whereas tony knows full well that this man is mike whoever michael is or was because i don't even know if michael knows who michael used, used to, be to be at yeah. some point he is so deluded mm-hmm. right um and whether even if he has this idea that he's on a mission of some sort or another the mission is so far removed yeah right from what the priest would understand yeah and, and it's Tony like maybe he understand. does have an honest kind of faith but it doesn't have anything to do with what the priest believes right this is this is it and tony's just going no this man well, is deluded he is unsafe you cannot let him back out again because he is going to kill again well and, and an interesting idea i again. mean this is something that the episode doesn't really go into so i'm just mentioning it in passing but it's interesting the idea that you can read it as the the priest is recognizing genuine faith in something and a goal bigger than himself and the priest just doesn't understand you know that it's not something good and something he believes in that michael is you know a uh what's the best word an acolyte of something darker (laughs) yes to use a and slightly may, overwrought yes. for a turn of phrase. Yes, you may want to call it Satan, but yeah. Michael wouldn't even call it that because no. he calls himself Michael. Yeah, and an Michael archangel. is the avenging, the avenging mm-hmm. angel. Exactly. Right? And that's who he's decided to name himself. And he does not change that. No, that's true. Like right. that part of his delusion stays. Yeah, and it's what one of the things that makes him such an interesting character. Yeah. Is that aspect of it that is like, yeah, no, he is committed to this. Like, for whatever reason, he is committed to this part of his delusion. All right. Yeah. So, um, but Tony is given the word that basically Michael refuses to see him unless uh, Tony is willing to take his conversion seriously. So he's like, I will not let you be my therapist if you're going to keep uh, insulting my faith. Which puts Tony in a bit of a bind, because Tony will never take his conversion seriously. Seriously, no. 
under no circumstances. All right. So they have identified one of the victim, uh, the victims. So uh, yeah, I mean, we yeah. know there's more than one, but they don't yet. They've identified the victim and they call on his father to identify the body, his father and his sister. And they come and identify the body and they go back to their house to ask about what he's been up to. He hasn't lived at the house in three months. They think he was at a music festival this past weekend. And Tony is getting, feels like he's getting nothing out of the family about this guy or why he might have been targeted. So Tony does what Tony does. He sneaks off to try and poke through the guy's room without anybody around so he can feel like he can start profiling the guy, the victim since his parents are of no use. And what he finds is that the room is like, like this guy is in his twenties, but the room is full of stuff that seems to be from when he was in middle school. Like when he was 11. So it's like the the room is a time capsule. And Tony's like, why is this? And of course, Tony realizes, well, what happens after you, hit, after you get past 11? Puberty. You start growing up. And then he's like, oh, okay. Well, your son was gay and you didn't want to accept it. So you've created this shrine to when you still had a son. Before you completely turned your back on him because he was gay. And of course, the dad doesn't want to hear this. But Tony is completely right. Yeah. Like the dad doesn't want to and hear the it. Sister, the sister doesn't want to, you know. Well, the sister wanted to say something but, and the dad just shut her down. Exactly. Because, you know, it's so shameful for, the, I mean, it seems insane to say this, uh, like to think of a world where it's so shameful to have a gay child. But then again, America's trying to make being gay illegal in half the state. So I guess we're coming back into this place, aren't we? Yeah. And that's, that's the problem is that you and I and the people we associate with 80%, yeah. let, let's just say 80, 80, 90%, 80, 80 90%, right? find the idea of being ashamed of having a gay child ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. These people are out. These people exist. These people are out there. Yes. And, and, um, they want to yeah. try to bend all of society towards their prejudices. Yes. Although they insist that nobody is supposed to control anybody else i know it's interesting that the people most dedicated to controlling people are the ones who are also all about freedom huh yeah. what a strange coincidence or what a what a what a perfect sort of idea <laughs> of um cognitive dissonance well basically <laughs> yes it's like we're all libertarians also we own all women's bodies um okay <laughs> Do you not see the issue here? Do you not see? <laughs> well, it's like... No, no, because uh, women aren't really human beings. They're commodities. Well, no, and it's what I always say exchanged. about people uh, who ask, hey, why are all libertarian men really creepy about age of consent laws and think they should be allowed to marry 13-year-olds? And the answer is, because if you tried to tell a grown-ass woman that everyone is, has a fair shake and, you know, there should be no legal protections and everyone's equal blah, under the law, blah, blah, blah. They would laugh in your face forever. Yes. Like, no grown woman would sign on to libertarianism because they can see, because they've lived in the world as a woman. But like uh -huh. a 13-year-old, maybe you can trick her into thinking this is how the world works. Well, yes, except that there are women who are libertarians and they are just as creepy as as the men. Oh, absolutely. As the men. Oh, you 100%. know, it believe me, it would not last if there weren't women who were accommodating, <laughs> aiding and abetting. Oh, yeah. Um whatever you want to call it. It's true. You know, no, women have to help uphold misogyny and the patriarchy. Yes. 
The patriarchy wouldn't work if there weren't women uh, keeping it going. You're right. That's just a fact. Yep. After all, even Erica, and I will be talking this about Merkel. Yeah, Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel wears pants, wore pantsuits in public. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't ever, don't ever <laughs> dismiss that. Hillary Clinton as a symbolic gesture. I will be talking about this tomorrow in class. Yeah. You yeah, know, we're great. looking at hot chefs. So, so okay. you go into power. Yeah. You and have, you have to, to become to, uh, a man. Well, you have to, uh, you have to accept the starting. Uh, the only way to be allowed into power is to accept the starting point that men are the ones who should be in power. So unless you're willing to dress the part and you know you know create a pantomime of maleness you don't deserve power is how these systems work yes so all um, right back to the show (laughs) back to the show well these are coming organically just fyi these these observations are coming organically out of the plot we're not just yeah it's it's very weird how this year all of these shows that we've been watching and talking about kind of being i'm going Mirroring my life, are we? An uncanny <laughs> amount. An know? uncanny amount. It really about is what weird. I, yeah, it what is you're weird. Going through. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. So oh. uh, uh, now they know the guy is gay. And the question is, well, okay, what does that change about their profile? And what does that, right? What does that give them? Right? And it gets into, but Tony's like, even a, a jealous lover, right? Yeah. Right, even a jeal- uh, uh, even a jealous lover, the who might strangle, right? The shooting is still Isn't, a problem. But yeah. the dad, like, might you know, would definitely not do all of this elaborate stuff to his son. He might beat his son to death, but this whole ritualized murder he wouldn't do. And then Alex points out that one of the things Tony said in passing is, uh, "Mothers smother or strangle their children." That's the thing that mothers do, right? So, and because. It's strangulation is a statement that I am stronger than you are. You are weaker than I am. And I'm stuffing your life out in this way that has an almost contempt to it. So maybe that's an aspect of it they can look into. Meanwhile, the killer is driving down the road and picks up two guys who are hitchhiking. Yep. And, uh, and you're like, oh God, oh no. Gives them some coffee to drink. And so right away, yeah, because they're golden. Well, right away, we can see where this is going. Yep. Yeah. And And so not very happy. Oh, yeah, it's bleak. And so Tony starts imagining, uh, trying to imagine what could the different MOs mean? And he's just sitting there at home trying to figure out what on earth I need a combination that only means one thing. And we get a really creepy uh, you know, version of all of the deaths happening over and over again, of him imagining <laughs> the deaths and the guy just dying over and over and over again. Like, Eesh. it's a very <laughs> intense scene. Like, it really is. <laughs> just, yeah. Crazy. Well, as I said, not only the set designers, the visual designers, the directors, and they went all out this season. Ever they really did. Whoever wrote these episodes, and maybe that that was its undoing. <laughs> yeah. It's just too bleak and too rough this year. You know, maybe that's it. <laughs> maybe they just pushed it too far this year. Yeah. All right. 
Uh, so then we see the killer. Uh, he's got the two people asleep in his car, and he throws one out of his car and executes him because he clearly only needs one victim. And we don't yeah. understand why he picked the one he picked, but we do know that he only needed one of them. And he only kill So he kills one and leaves the other in the place. Yeah. And then they find the next day another victim killed three weeks before Tom, the gay guy they just found, his body. So that becomes this real, like, what? Why is yes. there this track? Oh, and of course, the new it's victim. The yeah. Weird, the weird part, yeah. as the coroner says, yeah, that's not the weird part. Here's <laughs> the weird part. Yeah. Yes, Their the nails. Yeah. The stuff under the nails is from the other victim. Yep. Although we don't get there just yet. Uh, but yes, we do get there. Uh, yeah. One I'm out of, going yeah, out of sync, yeah, but no, but first we saw, yeah, uh, the, uh, but first we see the new victim tied up in the cage where Tom was at the start. But as he said, now we get to the big, the twist. Yeah. Under Tom's nails were skin from the earlier victim. Yeah. Meaning maybe Tom killed him. So now it completely throws every, everything they were thinking has just been thrown right out the window. Yep. Because this is a data point that is just absolutely baffling to everybody. Yep. Doesn't yeah. fit. It's even worse than having two met two methods of death on the same person. Yep. This is weird. Mm-hmm. Completely weird. Yeah. Uh oh, and both men were shot with the same gun. Yep. Yeah. And it's a it's and a gun. A, a Colt 1870 replica. Like an yeah. ancient, like an ancient cowboy pistol, right? Yeah. But yeah. here's the here's the big rule. It does lead them to someone in the area who owns one, a guy mm. who run, used to promote bare knuckle boxing and dog fighting. Yes. Well, that's a hell of a lead. No kidding. You could, not, that you lead? could not find a better lead than that. No. But yeah, like the fact that it's this such a strange gun gives them an amazing lead. And by the way, that's completely believable because a gun yep. that old would use a very weird cartridge. Yep. Like in a very weird kind of gun. So it's like it is believable that they could trace the bullet right to the exact kind of pistol because it uses such a weird bullet. Uh, meanwhile, the killer prints out a stalker photo of a woman Right. And uh, fetishizes it. We don't know who that is. We don't know what it means. This is the first we're seeing of her. Yeah. So the cops go out and they uh, they grab Curran, the guy who ran the dog fighting ring, and he tries to run and they grab him immediately. They find blood all over the four, uh, floorboards in his barn. There's dogs everywhere. And... Uh, <laughs> there's dogs who are just absolutely vicious and taught to fight. All right. And so now we get the horrible statement. Because because uh, 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 Kevin is saying, what do we do about the dogs? And Alex is like, you know, call the RSPCA. That's Royal Society for Protection and Care of An uh, Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, as opposed to the ASPCA. And Kevin's like, yeah, but they're fighting dogs. The uh, RSPCA is just going to have them all killed because spoiler alert, that's true. If a dog has been yeah. taught to be a fighting dog, they can't risk trying to rehome it because, let's face it, its instincts are there and its training is there. It could kill, it could attack anybody at any time for any reason. 
So yeah, uh, the dogs they rescue from these dog fighting rings get put down. It's really unpleasant, but that is, that's a true fact in the episode. Uh, so they go oh, and they, yes. I know, I know. So they bring the guy in and they ask him about his gun. And he says he doesn't have a gun, right? You know, despite the fact that one's red, uh, that one is, uh, registered to him. And he's like, uh, no, I don't know. I don't know who these victims you're showing me are. Tony points my out. My gun was. That, yeah, my gun was stolen. Tony stolen? points out that he's a heroin user. You know, <laughs> so it's like this guy is is a big mess, but at the same time, uh, he's definitely hiding something. Maybe it has to do with the fact that he's a heroin addict. Maybe he has some link to one of the victims. But the problem is, they don't have anything on him because he did report the gun stolen. Yep. Yeah. And, and so there's Tony's no like, well, there was blood on the floor of the barn. I guess you got to go dig up the barn. <laughs> you want and evidence? They, go get it. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, the uh, the killer is continuing to... The killer, who, by the way, we've seen enough of just... You're not seeing the visual, and if you haven't seen the episode, we have seen enough of the killer to know that he's not the guy they brought in. Like, yeah. yeah we can confirm 100% it's not the guy they brought in. So... Like, we know this is a red herring, but we also know that it's his gun that was used. So what's the connection? What does all of this mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the woman is being stalked. And then it's back to Michael. Who? Yeah. Ugh. Won't see a new therapist. Oh, no, no, no. This is the, uh, the, this is the official statement that, like, we're, we're going with Michael's wishes. And the priest is going to be his full-time therapist from now on. Yes. And yeah. then... And then Tony screams at them. Yep. That they are, they are playing right into Michael's hands. And he's like, <laughs> I don't do know what know? he's doing, but you know. Do you know what he is going to do to this priest? Yeah. If you let him out mm -hmm. or if you let him alone. Yeah. Oh, and the interesting thing is, uh, well, no. And he says like, uh, if he, he talks about how he likes to cook people and he says that, you know, pray very hard. You never find out what Michael considers to be a sacrament. Yeah. <laughs> and, but the, uh, but the thing is, Tony's behavior with Michael has screwed up the head of the, uh, guy running the, the hospital to the point where he's considering not letting Tony see anybody. Yep. Ugh. You fools. And yeah, Tony's being a jerk about this, but come on, the man, the man's an expert for a reason. Uh, but yeah, Tony, P Tony understandably predicts disaster if they go through yes. with this and they go through with it anyway. Then boom, more stalking. Yes. As the killer, uh, videotapes, uh, well, watches his videotapes of this woman with her newborn baby alone in her home. Yep. And then in a, a nice touch, we cut right to Tony. Uh, showing up at somebody's house to do a nice little cross cutting. He's depressed and he's like, if <laughs> he's gone to Alex's place to say, if I drink this alone, it's a problem. So I've come to your house <laughs> with a beer. Uh, which I loved. <clears throat> yeah, I thought that was a really nice touch. Oh, yes. Alex doesn't want to let him in. Finally gives in. Yeah. It says, okay, and then is going to send Ben up to his room. Yeah. 
And Tony's like, yeah, no, we can make some popcorn and have fun. And then uh, Ben Alex says, no. No, you two are too (laughs) messy. You guys can't be trusted. Uh, But then we get the key moment of the scene, uh, which is another just fantastic Tony line, which is Ben has made a picture that we all remember. He goes to a very, very strict Catholic school. Anglican school. Anglican school. Sorry. Yes. Uh, And he has made a picture. He has drawn this picture that he wants to give to Tony as a gift. And is a picture of the Garden of Eden. With Adam and Eve With in Adam it. Adam and Eve in it. And that's going to be important later. And, uh, and Alex is like, uh, Tony, to, uh, and he says, so my mom says doesn't believe. Ben. No, no, but yeah. first. And Alex says, well, Tony doesn't believe either. And Tony says, this is one of my favorite, like, Tony lines yeah. in here. Uh, is that, I'll take it anyway. I'll put it up in my fridge. It'll be a good reminder to eat more fruit. <laughs> it's just, I love the idea of the takeaway of the Garden of Eden story being that you should eat more fruit. More fruit right? And it's he's so also perfect. trying to tell Alex, come on. Come on. Don't be mean about this. And it's like, yeah, Alex. He drew is, the picture. Yeah, he, he's trying to reach out. He drew the picture. And even if you don't agree with, you know, the God Squad leanings of the school, he's in a good school and he's trying to reach out. Just, just be supportive. Yes. Put it, put it on your fridge. Yeah, it's not that complicated. And so he takes this one, and maybe, she, maybe she'll put the next one on the fridge. But it's a very nice scene, right? Yes, it is. And then we get. It also allows them, like that. That's what's so nice. Ben going to this school allows them to bring this stuff in organically. Yep. Yeah, it is. It really does. All right, <clears throat> and now. We find out what's going on because the uh, killer drag. Well, we're about to find out what's going on. The killer, it brings his victim into a cell and puts him next to another guy who, and this is, uh, this is just a casting thing or a makeup thing, but, and definitely a haircut thing looks confusing. These two guys look too much alike. They just do. But it may be that that's important to him. Yes. That that's important to him. That the guy, the guys, sort of look like him. Yeah, they do. Except right? they all have the shaggy hair. Yes. Well, yeah, but that's because they're there for a while, and because that's no. But the thing is, the shaggy hair is important to his mo because there were two guys in the car, and one had close shaved hair like he yes. does, and the other one had shaggy hair. And the one he killed immediately and threw away was the one who looked more like him. So it's as if he's trying to, like, well, I mean, we'll get at what his motive is, but it's like it's interesting. That the proxies he's picking don't look like him, but all look like each other. Yes. Like he's picking proxies of someone else who we don't know about. Or or he's seen a picture of what Adam looks like. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Or they're trying. In a Spoiler picture alert, book. It's an Adam and Eve thing. And they yeah. all have shaggy hair. So, And the weird part is, I would associate the shaggy hair more with, you know, uh, stereotypical Jesus imagery than Adam imagery. But maybe you're right. Maybe it's an Adam thing. Like I could totally well, I mean, that. given given what comes later. No, given what comes later. I mean, it makes sense that he's decided. It's just when I think of Adam, I don't think of a guy with a dark. I mean, again, maybe this is me. I never think of pictures of an Adam of a guy with like a dark complexion and shaggy hair. Well, but I do think of Jesus as looking like that. 
Well, yes, but remember, Adam, Adam and Eve, the Garden of Eden is between the Tigris and the Euphrates. No, I know that, and you know that, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm talking about stereotypical religious art. I'm not talking about historical fact, you know? All right, but the point is, he puts two of them in a cell together. Oh, and the show, now that we've got our red herring, uh, the show is no longer coy, and they just show you the full face of the killer. They're like, no, we're done with the part where we're trying to tease you. Here's what the killer looks like. And I thought that was a nice touch. They're like, no, it's it's not that kind of episode. You know, we we got through the red herring. Now here's the killer. Uh, so I thought I thought that was a very nice touch. So now we get to Tony and Alex are going to talk it through while they're intercutting between the two guys who look like each other brutally fighting one another. Yeah. Oh, this was nasty. So we see the whole thing. I mean, I just closed my eyes until it was over. Yeah, it's... You know, I wasn't going to watch it for a third time. (laughs) I know, right? Oh. It's so brutal. Tony drinks so much that he falls asleep on the table. (laughs) Next to the picture of an Adam and Eve. Yeah. That's important. Right? It's actually (sighs) very important that he uh, lies down next to the picture of Adam and Eve. So it's the first thing he sees when he wakes up. Of course, uh, because and, Tony's mind is working away even when he's drunk. Yep. Yeah, no, his mind never stops working. And that's one of the things we love about Tony. <sighs> oh, God, I know. It's it's fantastic. This is uh, it's a very intense episode, isn't it? All of these episodes. But this one is really sort of intense because when do we get him, him following the girl? Oh, no, we, we've had that stalkering already. Like, because we saw the video and we saw him, uh, like, uh, standing outside of her place. Yeah, we said, yes. and, and then we saw him watching the videotape later, and we saw him looking at the picture. So we know all. No, of no, this is with the car when she calls the cop. Oh yeah, no, that's coming later. That's coming. Yeah, later. that's coming later when she calls the cops. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, we see the. So Tony is drunk too much. The fight is going on, and then we get to the end <sighs> of the fight. Ugh. And one of them has to die. One of them has to die. And the new guy uh, who has just gotten there, right? The guy in the the gray sweatshirt who was walking has beaten down the other guy and he has to stop. And then the killer puts a gun to his head head and puts us where where we just were, which is it's him or you. Yeah. Oof. Oh, this scene. And we don't actually see him strangle him, but, well, no, now we just found off. out what the strangling means. Yeah. Now we just, uh, we found out what the strangling means and what the gunfighting means. And the interesting thing is, the implication here, the quite clear implication here, is that Tom could not go through with strangling this other guy. Yeah won the other fight and couldn't go through with strangling him. And so he shot Tom. Yeah. And that's very interesting. Oh, and then we see the killer uh, dispose of the body in a lake. I know it's not in a river. Sorry. It's not very important, but there you go. And so Tony wakes up. He's looking at the, uh, Tony wakes up. He's got the picture. There's a whole uh, Bible on the shelf. And he's like, I don't know. Maybe he has religiously convert, uh, converted. I don't know what it is. And he gets a call that even after all that, Michael is refusing to talk to anyone but Tony. Yep. 
And Tony's like, okay, I'm willing to start reading the Bible. Right? So he starts reading. And as he says, and, uh, my, uh, right. And Michael's like, with an open mind, he's like, well, you're my patient and you believe in this. So I have to respect your beliefs and I have to approach you on your level. Doesn't matter what I write in my notebook after the session, but exactly for the session. Yes. And this is where we get to the idea uh, of like, whether or not Tony believes in salvation. And, uh, and then he's, uh, then Michael says, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, when we're done here, we should keep in, uh, when we're done here, we should keep in touch. Tony's like, keep in touch. The hell does that mean? Yeah. Meanwhile, they have found something after digging up the barn, but we don't know what yet. And this is where we get the scene of the woman being stalked as she's driving around and he's uh, following her in his car. And then he just drives off. Exactly. And, you know, and then she goes home and she knows that somebody's around. So she calls the police about this. She talks to she just talks to this woman detective because he phones as well and tells her. To take care of herself. Yep. Oh, you know, it's creepy. not even. So she's really creeped out by the phone call. And that's when she calls the cops. And then. But the first, comes- but before we get there, though, they do find the. Before we get there, we find that there are all sorts of bones in the basement of the barn. Huge yeah. numbers of dog bones in the basement of the barn. Right. Uh, just all over. Right. And uh, Tony gets the call. Right. Uh, Tony gets the, uh, Tony gets the call and he, uh, and this is the part I, I really love. Right. Tony gets the call and he's rushing out of the hospital <laughs> and he's so distracted by the call. He leaves the Bible on the top of his car as he starts to drive off yeah. and has to stop and pick it up, uh, which is nice. <sighs> And they find out the system, which is these dogs all brutal were brutalized in fighting each other, and they were strangled. And if the strangulation didn't work, they get shot in the head. And Tony's like, "There's your order, right? Yeah. You you strangle the dogs, and if it doesn't take, you shoot them in the head. This is the order that the killer is obsessed with, right? This yeah. is the meaningful, like this is what it means. Yes. And so, so there the has kid. to be some connection between the killer." And uh, this dog guy's fighting. dog fighting. Yeah. 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 Oh, also, they found a dead body. Yes, they find a dead body. This a is what human the guy body was so squirrely well. about. Yep. But and the guy keeps insisting he doesn't deny that he killed that person. Yeah. But, but he, he says didn't. no involvement in the other two. No. And this body is old, like yes. really, really old. Yeah. Like this body has been there for ages right oh and uh and this is the uh (laughs) and this is nice uh he just doesn't think he doesn't believe curran the new guy uh the guy they've got he just doesn't believe that he could have done this other two like having people you know maybe fighting each other like dogs like it just doesn't fit the profile this thuggish guy right and this is where the policewoman gets the takes the report about the stalking Right. And uh, this poor woman trying to report the crime and like, you know, uh, try. And it's like, are you sure that you're not just scared because animals have been creeping around? Are you sure that 
Like it wasn't nothing. And they're like, are you sure you didn't just imagine that there was a car following you? There are cars all over the place. Cops don't want to do their job. <laughs> and cops don't wake women, take women's complaints of stalking seriously. And it wasn't really a threat, the phone call. Yeah. Yeah, but it was creepy. <laughs> yeah, it was very it's creepy. creepy. But I do like, are you sure it wasn't just an animal creeper on your po- property? And she's like, do you know a lot of animals that can make phone calls? <laughs> she was, she's smarter than the average woman. I know. It's, it's That's a nice for sure. Scene. As we will find out. Yeah. Got her head screwed up straight, mm-hmm. this woman. Oh, absolutely. Like, she knows she's in danger and she's taking it seriously, even if the, uh, right? Even if the cops don't. But they do take the report, thank God. Yeah. I mean, they do take the report and it is in the system, which will become important later. Oh, Like yeah. so many other things. Yeah. And as Tony said, and this the the great scene when they're talking to Karan, who's the, the goon, is yeah. he doesn't deny shooting the guy who's buried under the basement, yeah. right? But he vehemently denies killing the other two people. And so yeah. Tony believes it. And he's like, you're caught. Like, the guy's caught. The guy's going to jail. Why would he be cagey? Why would he be trying yeah. to deny? It's not like he can get three life sentences. <laughs> yeah. Right. And uh, this guy was killed with the shotgun, not with the pistol. So there you go. And yeah. of course, but the problem with the barn victim in I, I, vi, victim is that he's been there for so long, they can't tell if he's been strangled like the other one. So they don't know if he fits the MO. But the point is, the fact that he was buried, the fact that like the other guys were dumped like garbage, it's a different MO. So yeah, this, he killed this guy, but he didn't kill the other two. Now there's a connection to Curran and his dog fighting ring because the MOs match and it's his gun that was used in all likelihood. But he's not the killer of these two guys. Yeah. Right. And then we get uh, Tony trying to read the Bible. <laughs> and we have the, the why he stops reading the Bible every time is just trying to get like through the list of people who were related to people. As we all hate going through yeah. numbers the, I know, when you just have like, to read it. Well, you have to read numbers. Be, exactly. Because numbers is just like, yeah, you got to get through everybody. It's the full history. It's all the things. Here's who is king. Here's who won the war. Here's the, like, it's all important to know, but God, is it terrible to read? Because so and so begat so and so. Yes. That's all it is. It's so just an so accounting of history so. and you need to know the history, but it's, it ain't a story. Not in numbers. Nope. There's a few little story things in numbers, but no, there's no, <laughs> you just kind of go, oh, it is just horrendous. And I'm sure Tony Speed reads. And, you know, as I always tell the story of you, right? Yeah. Who, when you were reading it at one point, you just come to me, you came to me and says, how could people actually believe this? <laughs> It's just, it's so it's baffling just, to me, you know? I well, it was. It be, well, it's just, if you're not raised in it, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. If you're not raised in it. All right. Uh, so they have found the new body. Uh, well, one of the new bodies. There's actually two new bodies. But they find the body of the guy who was last seen with his friend leaving a club. Uh-huh. And that, of course, is the two guys who got picked up. Right. So yeah. they found, so they act- actively know somebody is missing yes yeah 
And the interesting part is, all of the victims they've noticed are young, they're male, they have this shaggy hair, and they're all, uh, they use the term Asian. But, you know, when you say Asian in England, they mean Middle Eastern. Yes, there's, yes. It's needlessly confusing in England that they use the term Asian to mean Middle Eastern. They use it some parts of, like, Far Eastern Europe, like Kazakhstan, they would call Asian. Uh, right? They use it to mean Middle the people from the Middle East, people from India, people from, like, Central Asia. They use the term, and people from, you know, where we call Asia, China, Japan, Korea, Southeast Asia. They use Asian for all of this, but they are specifically meaning, and they're like, and so they're saying, I don't know if this is a racist attack, but he definitely has a racial preference. Yes, he has a type. Yeah, he has a type. And this is what goes to your Tigris and Euphrates thing. Yeah. You know, and that the idea that Adam has to be, uh, you know, historically accurate. And then while Tony's talking, uh, while they're talking about this, Kevin goes out and says, okay, uh, goes to get them a coffee and says, I'll be right back. You know, all right, see you soon. And Tony's like, oh, God. I just realized what was going on with Michael. He said, you know, he didn't say, I'll see you soon. He didn't say, I'll see you soon. Because he knew he wasn't going to. He said, keep in touch. Yes. He didn't say, I'll see you soon. He said, keep in touch. Or I'll keep in touch. Yeah, I'll keep in touch. Because he knew he wasn't going to see me for a long time. And he phones the cops. The cops. And he phones the hospital and he tries to warn them. That Michael is on his way out. This was yeah. all a plan. And we see that Michael's whole plan. And basically it was when he found out that there was a therapist. That there was a priest who did therapy in the hospital. Prison. Who basically had his same build. He's like, well, I guess I'm going to become a Christian then. Yeah. And so he agreed to. Um, <sighs> and so all of the things with Tony and con- converting. But then going back to Tony was to emotionally manipulate the doctor into needing to prove himself and agree to a one-on-one private therapy session with no one around, just Christian to Christian. And the minute he did that, he murdered the man and he switched into his clothes and he got just far enough out of the therapy room that he was able to get out onto the roof and escape the hospital. Oh, Oh, this scene is so good. And it's so frustrating. Yes, and yeah. it is. And and Tony has to deal with the fact of I can't say I told you so, but I. <laughs> I know. Yeah, Tony is not in a position where he can say, "While if you listen to me, that priest would still be alive." That's true, but he can't exactly say it, can he? No, because oh. every yes, no, you can't. Yeah, and so, so Tony. Often. Yeah, and so Tony obsesses himself with. And you might say this is a bit of a stretch. I loved it. He's sitting in his kitchen. He's reading the Bible. He's looking at the wall. And he sees the picture of Adam and Eve on his fridge. Because he did what he said he was going to do. He put it on the fridge. Yep. And, oh, and they intercut with uh, the killer finally goes and kidnaps the woman he's been stalking. So there you go. Yep. And so now Tony explains the M.O. Why the flurry of corpses, Right. He's like, I feel like there's a deadline. This has to be a mission. He has to be wanting to accomplish something. Oh, yeah. Because he's taken the baby as well. Yes. 
but we don't know about that yet. Right? And so he's like, what if this is a strongest sur- survival of the fittest breeding situation? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> what if he wants someone, right? What if he wants someone to create a new race to be a new Adam of Adam and Eve? And it's a bit of a stretch, but you can see how he got there. Well, I can see how he got there. That somebody yeah. would do this is a bit of the whole thing. But I accept the premise of this whole whole thing, so it's okay. But yeah, it- and I mean, and the thing is, they they say like that he, and this is where the racial thing gets really confusing because he thinks the reason he dumped the other guy was because he was Asian. But I'm like, I'm looking at the guys he kidnapped, and they all have the same look. Yeah, they you all know? look. They the all same. look. They all have this look, and I know that some of the dead guys were white, but they all have this like dark-skinned look to them. Yeah, well, and the, and maybe as as we know, he killed the one because he didn't, he wasn't the right one, because he could have gotten the two of them to fight to fight, the death exactly. too. Yeah, except yeah. that only one of them fits what the he's looking profile. for. Yeah, so I mean, he it, just disposes of the other one. No, and I think you're right. It's just when I look at these guys, they all have this, they have the hair and they have this almost Middle Eastern look to all of them, even the guy he killed. And so that's why I was focusing on the hair as being almost Jesus-like. But that's honestly me. <laughs> you know, that's honestly my own. I, I think I'm bringing that's my your own. Problem. No, that's, yeah, I'm bringing you're, my you're own bringing stuff to own. this one. And yeah, I, I agree yeah, with that. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I'm bringing my own stuff to this one. You have your own visual interpretation of, the, of what of people Jesus look like. Versus, yeah, no, you're absolutely and, right. And um, you know, I and remember that this is now in the 2000s. Yeah, and we are, you know, a few decades past when they have started to do illustrations Sessions and pictures. This accurate, kid probably. Yeah, yeah more accurately of what people probably looked like. So when he was growing up and taking his religion courses in school, even in the comprehensive schools. Yeah. Okay. uh, I see your point. You know, that, that the pictures that he would be seeing of these people would be very different than the pictures say I grew up, Mm -hmm. you know, and some of the older ones. I mean, I mean, when I look at the ones that came out, it was this (laughs) Catholic one for children. I mean, you know, this, this, as I said, 30 year old yeah. white guy with short hair and this 12 year old Eve mm-hmm. standing beside him as oh. they get married by God. Jeez. I mean, this is in this Catholic Bible, right? For children. <laughs> it's just that's creepy. I went as hell. Through a lot of those. Oh, it was so creepy. I mean, I'm focusing on one thing, like, but oh, and you can just imagine. You know that if if things are going wrong and you're looking at this and you're telling you're telling children this is how it was, right? You just kind of go, oh, geez. Whereas it, this kid is basically would have gone through this system in the 80s and the 90s, and it was very different. So the pictures he would have seen would have been very different when sense. he's thinking about Adam and Eve, and. So, you know, yeah. they were, no, you're absolutely right. And the thing is, and that, but that, that's why I recoiled from the idea that the other guy was dismissed because he was Asian. When the guy he picked also has these really dark complexion features and the long shaggy black hair. I'm well, like, yeah, but you don't accept. The, no, I know. I know. But you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right cops, to read it right? that way. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. And so now they're like, now they're asking the big question. Okay. 
So where on earth, right? Uh, uh-huh. Right. If this is the Adam, where's their Eve? Right. Yeah. And so they look for women who are being stalked and they find someone who's being stalked in the area. Right. Yeah. They find someone who's being stalked in the area and they're like, okay. Recently. Recently. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, this is where it gets fun. Uh, well, and that's they, the uh, word you can call it. <laughs> but yes. Well, yeah. But so they start thinking, okay, well, this guy's got to have a background. They no figure out the age and they have to figure out he has to live in the area of where the dog fighting was. Because this guy has to have been obsessed with the guy who ran the dog fighting ring. Yep. Because that's where he got the gun and that's where he got part of his M.O. Right? Yep. <laughs> right? Yes. That's why he's killing people that way. And luckily, so they're able to find the woman. And so they go through criminal records in the area because they, I think, quite rationally think there's no way a guy doing this kind of stuff hasn't had some run-ins with the law. And while they're doing all of this investigation, we see the guy rounding them up and putting in the same room and forcing them, uh, demanding that they have sex or he'll murder the baby. Yes. Jesus. Oh, this episode. Yeah, yeah it's a it's rough episode. So, oh, it was, that was just terrible. So they and- managed to find a divorced guy, right? A divorced guy who had uh, kidnapped a, a woman like dragged a woman out of a parking lot and brought her to a van and was refusing to let her leave unless she had sex with him. So lives in the area, has a history of sex crimes and used to be married, but has no children. So he might have this obsession with procreation that they're talking about. So it's like, it's a guy who ticks every single, you know, point Box. on Tony's list. Uh, everything on Tony's list, this guy fits perfectly. Meaning this is probably their guy. So they rush out to his place. Ooh. They rush out to his place and they find in the house, they find all sorts of evidence of an involvement. Like they find the licenses of some of the missing victims and all of that. So like they know this is the guy. And Tony says, and they hear a dog barking in a warning system. And the guy leaves the, uh, leaves the two, his two victims alone to go and find out what the noise is. Which is, you know, quite understandable. And Tony says the important thing, which is, look, we can't just rush in there. He's got a baby and he'll, if he, we try to arrest him, he's going to shoot everybody, but he'll start with, by shooting that baby. So he is in a position. So Tony's like, let me go down alone. Let me try to talk to him. And it's, and it makes perfect sense. It's the only thing you can do. Ooh. Okay, but what what you have missed, like that's the only thing. Oh, what did I miss? Is when the guy wants them to have sex. First of all, the guy doesn't want to do it. Well, of course, yeah. I, I now, just wait a take minute. that as red. No, the guy doesn't want to do it. The girl says, she says, no, just do it, yeah. right? You know, because he's going to kill the baby. Yeah, and then this guy insists they do it doggy style. Yeah. Right. Just, just to, just to make you even more uncomfortable and more and everything else. Right. So he, 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 anyway, never mind. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, Tony does go down and start talking to him and thank God Tony's read the Bible. Yeah. By this point, he's read Genesis. Yeah. So he can talk to him. And he talks him to and him. When the And the thing that's oh. so beautiful about it is, he's like, you're obsessed with going on, 
right? You're obsessed with going on. You're obsessed with continuing to exist. And if you kill that baby, they're going to shoot you. And you never had a child and you failed to, you know, create this new child of Adam and Eve. So, uh, so the thing is, and so it's just like, you can get out of this alive. You just have to give me the baby. Yeah. And the guy freaks out and the dog won't start bark- barking. And so he shoots the dog and the cops rush in and he goes to shoot the baby. And at the end, he can't do it. So he shoots himself. Oh. Yeah. Damn. Oh, what an episode. <laughs> oh, as I said, maybe this is why they didn't bother going on and doing <laughs> another more. season. We'll get the ne- to the next episode. Oh, right? I know. One more episode to go. Oh, yep. and you know Michael's going to be involved. Yep. Oof. But the point is, the guy got rescued. The woman and her child got rescued. Like, it's as close to a happy ending as we can get in this unbelievably bleak episode. Yep. Oh. Ugh. And then Tony goes back to his car and, and oh, there's, there's a there's... note from Michael under the windshield. And we see Michael. And But the key is, it's eye for an eye. Yeah. Yep. That's what's on there. And Michael calls him and says, you were right to, de- you were right to deny my sincerity. <laughs> life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Jeez. Oh, it's about to get bad. Yep. Yep. Oh, it's so fantastic. And, of course, this is all going to come to a head next week. But, yeah, you understand how, like, this episode put us in a headspace where we have to start talking about this stuff. Oh, yes. You know? That's exactly what it's doing. Yeah. It puts us in a headspace where we have to get into this religious stuff. We have to get into this oppression stuff we have to get into this uh you know women be existing only to create new men you know (laughs) and the fact that like the whole be fruitful multiply thing puts you in this head that if you can't have children what use are you your life doesn't have any value that's all coming from the bible people value and meaning yep your life has no meaning if you don't have children that's coming from the bible Oh, yeah. You know, that's coming from this religious tradition. And it's like, that's what this guy was suffering under. He was, he was married for five years. He wasn't able to have children. And he blamed his wife. And he tried having sex with other women. He wasn't able to have children. And he blamed himself. And he's like, going to create a child then. And I will own this child that I create. Yes, because yeah. he would have killed both of them and kept oh, of course, the child. And kept the baby. The child he was going to kill the, the second she was pregnant. He was going to kill the guy, and the second she gave birth, he was going to kill her. Yep. You know, that's just that's obviously what was going to happen. Oh. Yeah. oh. And the reason I thought it was worth mentioning is, tell me, and if if you want to deny this, going ahead. But can you honestly tell me that you don't think? That the episode of Criminal Minds, the fight, might well not have been inspired by this episode of Wire in the Blood. Oh, it might have been. It is not, in fact, a a less intense, less awful, sanitized version of this episode of Wire in the Blood. Think about it. Sure. 
Okay, I mean, that way. Think about it, but it's like it's the guy and he's kidnapping these uh these men and making them uh like these guys with these daughters and trying to get them to prove that they are man enough to protect their families and killing people who aren't strong enough to protect their family. Like you take out the stuff about breeding and you replace it with stuff about fatherhood, which ain't that far off. And you get the episode, the fight. Yeah. I'm just saying, think about it. Uh, well, Chris Mundy and Edward Bernero wrote that one. And when, when did that episode come out? I'm just looking at it now, 2010. So it was after this episode. And Wire in the Blood was 2008, so two years later. I'm saying it's not impossible that they were inspired by that episode to do a less bleak version of that episode. And that's a pretty bleak episode of Criminal Minds, but it's not like this episode of television. No. So I, I, I just, given the similarities, given the stuff about bare knuckle boxing, given the obsession with family at the core of the motivation, like so much of the psychology of the killers is the same. And are you saying it could be a coincidence? I won't deny that it could be a coincidence, but I think there's also a really good chance that it's not a coincidence. And this episode was inspired by yeah, somebody was episode. watching. Yeah. Somebody yeah. was episode. Cause it's not, I mean, Say what you will about Criminal Minds. We all have Criminal Minds. They're not above, you know, know, being inspired by, in heavy air quotes, episodes of television and movies. They do it all the time. Yeah, we've talked about that. We've talked about it on many occasions, right? For the love of God, they they literally just did Red Dragon as an episode. (laughs) Then they did it again, you know? (laughs) And the second time they did it, they literally just had a character say lines from the book Red Dragon. You know. Oh yes, and then and well, here's it. What's interesting, and it might be Ed Bernero who watched it. Yeah, it's entirely possible um, because, of course, this is where we then go in and we start with the um, spinoff that we loved. Yeah, and I think it's it's worth. It's worth addressing the possibility that yeah. Ed Bernero started watching Wire in the Blood and realized there was a much darker, more interesting version of Criminal Minds he could be doing, partially yeah. inspired by Wire in the Blood. And he made a tribute episode to Wire in the Blood with the fight. And then that spun off into uh, suspect behavior. Yeah. Which is the darker, more intense Criminal Minds that was trying to do something <laughs> very interesting and never got the chance to, tragically. Yeah. So, yeah. We still cry about that one. <sighs> I know. I didn't the first time, but I did the second time I watched it. Yeah. And I really understood what they were trying to do. I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't really to, uh, I wasn't ready to hear it that first time. But, well, oh, I think... was I ready to, uh, well, oh, it I is... was ready that second time. Yeah. Now, I mean, it is very different, which is why we will probably watch um, this season of Criminal Mind somewhere again. But um, watching some of these Criminal Minds, when you watch them a second time, when you go through them, when you start doing what we did with them, you can do, you can see at times. Yeah. (laughs) Something that they're trying to do, it gets all messed up, but that's neither here nor there totally 
Yeah. You know, 100%. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. That's it. One Thanks for the bleakness. One more episode. Bleak, bleak, bleak. Continuing oh, next episode. <laughs> right. Oh, geez. Oh. The way the next episode ends. Oh, yeah. and I haven't watched it again, like the third time. We were disappointed at the way the series ended, and I don't mind saying that. Yes, well, we'll have to wait and see uh, when we watch it Yeah. to analyze and to talk about how we feel about it. Because the series that will... as a whole, yeah. Yeah, but... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we needed, we needed some closure that we never got. Yeah. After two watchings, so maybe when we talk about it, we'll we'll find some closure somewhere. Yeah. Now I'm sure we'll figure out a way. Yeah, it's like, but it's like, dear Robson Green, this is twice you did to uh, this to us, ending a show where you hunted serial killers unsatisfyingly. Because <laughs> that's how Touching Evil ended too. It didn't have a good ending. It just stopped. He stopped. Robson decides I'm not going to do this anymore. Or, no, not necessarily. It could no. be the show got cancelled in both cases. We don't know. Yes. And if, they, hey, if it weren't for Touching Evil, he probably wouldn't got cast in uh, uh, Wire in the Blood. Right. So, you know, That's there true. you go. Alright. <laughs> what else can you say? I know, right? Alright. So, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling-related fiction you think we should t- check out, Drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you were listening to this on some sort of an app or podcast or rate and review, that's how people find the show. We're going to be back here next week with the last ever episode of Wire in the Blood for now. Mm. Uh, But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.